Tenokotokator. Well, some of you know I made my debut on Tuesday on Radio New Zealand National as a panelist on the panel, and it was great fun because I've only been a call-in guest prior to this twice, once in 2010 when Jim Mora was hosting the show, and they asked about the Wellywood sign, which I was opposed to, and they got me in to talk about it, and I talked about the intellectual property side of things. And in 2020, they asked me to come on to talk about Hong Kong and the national security law that had been enacted. Really the reason my parents left Hong Kong in 1976 with me, uh, well, not specifically that, but they saw the looming spectre of communism. And that was something that perhaps not a lot of people saw back in the 1970s. But they'd been through it, you see. My father had been through, really, the the arrival of communism, if you like, in, in his village. And because we were landowners as a family, he noticed that he was getting picked on more and more by the teachers. He said something had changed once the revolution had happened. And one day... They got home, and there was a notice on a door, and the people had seized the farm and the land. So there was no love lost, and my mother had lived through, despite being born in Hong Kong, her father's job was in mainland China, so she lived through part of communism and knew that she didn't want that for me. So first first opportunity they got, they, they left, and... I was called upon to talk about, not specifically that, but certainly about the new laws and what it would mean for Hong Kong. And at the back of my mind, of course, is the story and how I came to be here in the first place. Admittedly, I did treat that appearance as a sort of interview because what had happened was, I think the last segment that I did the call-in about Hong Kong was right after Michelle Bogue had been exposed as having shared confidential data with a national MP. And I suppose there would be a vacancy, wouldn't there? So <laughs> you just had to had to take that take that opportunity. And so I was very honoured when um, Wallace Chapman uh, asked me to come on, and I'd I'd. I'd known Wallace because of running for mayor and Wallace and Damien Christie had interviewed me and I'd been on backbenches and both campaigns. So I knew them well and I think they also knew that I had had some broadcasting experience because they, one of them, either Wallace or Damien, had asked me, well, you were very good on television. Um, why is that? And I said, well, I did 14 months of Good Morning uh, out at Avalon uh, back in the mid-2000s. So I did know a little bit about broadcasting I certainly knew more about television than I did about radio. I actually didn't know an awful lot about radio, other than just guesting, popping on, putting headphones on, coming to the studio for a couple of things as an interviewee, but not as a presenter. I had more done presenting on television. In fact, I always thought there was a reason the Dominion Post never released the mayoral campaign videos that the candidates recorded in 2013. Uh, I think I was too damn good. <laughs> and this is 
with the greatest respect to some of my rivals, I have a funny feeling that is why they were never released. Because I, I was a lot better than John Morrison. But anyway, be that as it may, it looks like I am uh, one of the new panellists on the panel. And I, I was texting Conrad, my dear friend Conrad, on the day, and we exchanged a few texts. And I didn't tell too many friends, but I told him. And I said, I, I promise to be less fascist than Michelle Bogue. I won't tell you his reply because it's confidential, obviously. But Conrad, if you're listening, I thought it was very funny. And I actually told an Italian friend that, um, an Italian New Zealander. I know people love the what the French call le making of. That actually is the French term for behind the scenes, le making of. And so on the day, you, you receive pretty up-to-date. I mean, the panel, as you know, takes the issues of the day. They're, they're not old ideas. You know, they're brand new. So you get you get your topics literally hours before you go on air. And it is your job to read up on it. They help you, but you read up on it. Uh, but what was interesting, I suppose, was getting into the studio, getting in there, signing in, you know, with your... The, the, the COVID app if you have it and I went into the studio and met with one of the producers and there I was and I walked into the studio and I thought this is the first thing this is w- without a word of a lie I walked into the studio I thought where would Fraser Crane sit you know I really pictured old Kelsey Grammer and Roz in the next booth I thought, where would, and I, I sat down, and Amelia, um, who did the news topic of the day, who, who also sometimes produces the panel, uh, certainly she produced the episode I was first on earlier in the year, um, said, that is where Catherine Ryan sits. So I thought, Catherine, I kept your seat warm for an hour and a half on Radio New Zealand National. I sat down. And I wasn't on air, the mic wasn't hot. And I said, I think when Amelia wasn't in the room, I said, it all started at a 5,000 watt station in Fresno, California. And for those of you who know that, God bless you. And I suspect some of you don't know that because you're not this old. Um, those were the words that Ted Baxter, played by Ted Knight, frequently uttered on the Mary Tyler Moore show when he talked about himself, which was a great deal of the time. Uh, he was perhaps one of the first fictional egomaniac, egomaniacal newscasters uh, on television. And I still love the, the episode where he met Walter Cronkite, where he asked, well, what, what words do you get wrong, Walt? But it was lovely. So that... I always said to myself, I would say that when I got there. I don't know why, I mean, <laughs> I'm not like Ted Baxter, but I thought it was the only radio reference I had. Uh, I don't remember what Dr. Johnny Fever said. I don't remember a lot of the lines from WKRP. I remember Ted Baxter starting on a 5,000-watt station in Fresno, California. One thing, though, was... Uh, it was it was great having Amelia there because I could bounce off her. But the listeners on the day, you will know that Wallace is in Auckland and my co-panellist, 
um, Jenny was in Christchurch. And you don't have anyone to see. There's no body language to look at. You can't interject. You don't know when. And we rely then a great deal on the host. So God bless you, Wallace. You did a fantastic job. And not only that, you managed to cut in when maybe I was losing the audience a little bit. So thank you. Um, and thank you too, Wallace. I'll publicly say this. I know I privately said this to you, but thank you for letting me go second on a lot of those. Being my first show, thank you for letting Jenny go first because it really helped. But one thing, though, of coming second was the I've been thinking. And my partner, quite rightly, has said I rushed it. And I'll tell you why I rushed it. In the studio, there is there is a clock on display. A, a um, It is an analog clock on a, inside of a monitor. So it's a picture of an analog clock, and it's ticking the seconds. And I think I started my I've been thinking with about two minutes to spare. I thought, I... I haven't practiced how long this takes. Normally I do. Normally I run through a lot of this stuff and I have an idea of how long each segment takes. But, you know, I hadn't done broadcasting for a little while. I hadn't I certainly hadn't done a live national broadcast at this level, you know, with this sort of listenership, this sort of audience for, for a long, long time. So I'll know, I'll know for next time. So I rushed it, and I thought, maybe, just maybe, I need to do it at my own pace tonight on this podcast so you can hear what I've been thinking. Bear in mind, this was delivered on Tuesday. And this is what I wrote in my notes, and I tend not to read verbatim, but this is the gist. Well, I've been thinking about March 15th, 2019, as the gunman is being sentenced There are far clearer details of what happened now, including what was in his Facebook stream. As of March 15, 2020, one year on, you could still find eight copies of his video, or parts of it, on Facebook. Here's a company that's even been complicit in genocide in Myanmar, and nothing really happens. Zuckerberg will give some platitudes, but at the end of the day, he's big tech's Bart Simpson. He pretends it's out of his control. I have seen nothing to suggest that he supports the Christchurch call beyond Nick Clegg saying so. It's a company that does nothing till it's embarrassed into it. We need people, media and government to curb Facebook's excesses because we know the US won't lift the finger. Right now, Facebook is on the negative side of humanity, meaning it does more harm than good if it vanished today, I wouldn't shed a tear. That was what I wanted to say. And I actually still don't know how long that took. <laughs> but I'll look back at the recording once this is done. But all I know was on the day the clock was ticking, I thought, I've got to get this done before the pips come for the four o'clock news. And Wallace knew what I was going to say because I, I sent him the notes before that. So, you know, being a pro, he would know how long that took, but I didn't. And I suppose luckily there was a little bit of time because he had to fill in the time. And I didn't feel it was my place as the first time dude coming on a show to take you into the four o'clock news. I thought that was really the host's responsibility. And I didn't want to encroach. This, I'm not Wallace Chapman. It's his show. So... You, you know you know the format. On a talk show, Stephen Colbert, David Letterman, whoever it is, they're the ones who say, 
We'll be right back after the commercial break. It's not the guest who says it, unless the guest is invited to say it. But it was very enjoyable. I mean, how many of us have listened to this show and thought, I have an opinion on that. And here we are. Someone has asked me for mine uh, on a number of topics, fantastic topics. And my regret is I didn't actually get to crack one of the jokes uh, that I wanted to crack. We had um, Dr. Paul Laura Kane come on to talk about the future of workplaces and how it's changed with COVID. And, and I wanted to say that I had, and I have, my office set up because I've worked, I've self isolated since 1987. I work from home. And my keyboard is 16 inches, 400 mils wide because that is, to me, that is the optimum width of a keyboard. Any wider, you start reaching for the mouse and you start getting RSI in your shoulder because you're reaching for the mouse all the time. And my mouse is expensive. And some of you who follow my blog know this because I have been trying to find a replacement for a Microsoft IntelliMouse 1.1 for a long time, for many, many years. I... I have a, the Microsoft LaserMouse 6000. A few others are, are good because they're big, right? But if, as any of you who have bought mice recently know, mice are really small now. And it seems like all the manufacturers are building them for Donald Trump. But enough silliness for now. That is, um, that's a joke that I know my Republican friends in America, and I do have a few people who, who voted for this guy. Um, they'll be terribly offended and disappointed I cracked that joke because I've heard me crack it already, probably. But I, I want to say thank you to Radio New Zealand, thank you to, thank you to Mary and thank you to Wallace and thank you to the, to the whole crew for making me feel very much at home on my first show. And the key is to make sure it's not my last show. Uh, but I do thank you, and, uh, and for those of you who tuned in and sent me feedback, thank you for uh, for listening. I'm really grateful I had support out there, and I knew there was support out there, and that always makes me quite heartened. Next time, if I can get the time, I will do my I've Been Thinking at a much better pace. <laughs> Have a wonderful night, everyone. Kakite. Ka